Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 383, How Cognitive Closure Affects Decision-Making, by Kristen Wong of thewildwong.com, and I'm Justin Mollick. Happy Wednesday, and welcome back to yet another edition of Optimal Living Daily, where I read to you every single day of the year, including holidays, from some of the best personal development bloggers I can find, just like an audiobook, and with their permission. I think it's about a month since we've heard from Kristen Wong. She writes about personal finance frequently too, so I tend to save those posts for Optimal Finance Daily, one of the other podcasts in this network. But today's is about decision-making, which is a great fit for this show. So with that, let's just get right to the post as we optimize your life. How Cognitive Closure Affects Decision-Making by Kristen Wong of thewildwong.com. I'm a list person. I make lists of the things I have to do, stuff I want to buy, and goals I'd like to achieve. I've been doing this as far back as I can remember. My mom loves to tell the story of how I showed her my life timeline as a kid. Remember the 90s when printer paper was one long perforated sheet? My timeline took up like six sheets, lol. This timeline included every single milestone I planned to reach, from graduating college, to having a kid, to publishing my first book. That timeline helped me set some concrete goals and work toward them, which is why my mom was proud of me. I didn't just make the list for inspiration though. Even as a kid, I needed to know exactly what I was doing with my life. I couldn't just enjoy the ride. What is cognitive closure? Lists, timelines, and organization help me because my mind is constantly pulled in different directions. Yet I also have a strong need for something called cognitive closure. In fact, we all have this need. Cognitive closure is our aversion toward ambiguity and our desire to arrive at definite conclusions, sometimes irrationally. In other words, it's our need to know everything, to feel a sense of control. It's coming up with a giant timeline of events, struggling to predict the future because I'm averse to not knowing. It's when you want answers more than you want the right answers. I first read about this concept in Charles Duhigg's book, which I know I've mentioned a zillion times already, Smarter, Faster, Better. In it, Duhigg explains how it can have a profound impact on decision-making. Here's how it works in the first place, though. Quote, The need for cognitive closure in many settings can be a great strength. People who have a strong urge for closure are more likely to be self-disciplined and seen as leaders by their peers. All of us crave closure to some degree, and that's good, because a basic level of personal organization is a prerequisite for success. What's more, making a decision and moving on to the next question feels productive. It feels like progress, unquote. His point that closure feels like progress really stood out to me. Sometimes what feels productive is simply a distraction. For example, when I want to boost a productivity, I love checking and replying to emails. 
while I'm doing those distracting myself from the actual productive work I should be doing. It's an illusion, and that's the biggest problem with the need of cognitive closure. It makes us susceptible to illusions and poor judgment. When it comes to decision-making, our need for cognitive closure can be a distraction. How cognitive closure causes problems. A paper published in Political Psychology said that, quote, the need for closure introduces a bias into the judgmental process, unquote. In other words, when you're bent on having all the answers, you're less likely to be open to the fact that you may be wrong. I think this is why I was bad at math. I'd come up with a solution, and even if it didn't quite look right, my mind would say, nah, 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 that's just some weird anomaly. You've got the answer, you're good. It seems fairly obvious how this is problematic, right? Bias is bad. Here are some specific ways our need for closure can mess things up, though, specifically when it comes to decision-making. Misdiagnosing problems. When you don't understand why something is wrong, so you diagnose it with something you do understand, like my math issues. Or worse, when I was unwilling to admit I had depression and coped with it incorrectly. Black and white thinking. When you want to understand one subject so badly that you focus on its opposite in order to understand it better. For example, when I realized the religion I was raised with wasn't for me, I spent a long time hating it. I wanted to understand what it meant to not have a religion, and for a while I equated it with hating religion altogether. It made me closed-minded and intolerant. There's nuance in everything, but black and white thinking, fueled by the need for closure, keeps you from seeing that nuance. Missed opportunities. When your need to know exactly who you are and your life's purpose gets in the way of having new, fulfilling opportunities. In college, I planned on being a teacher. It fit my timeline. I wasn't particularly enjoying the courses though, and luckily a couple of my English professors intervened and mentioned I might be happier if I switched majors. I did. I was. I wouldn't have done it though if I didn't let go of my need for closure and reevaluate my passion. Side note, I still think teaching is one of the most noble professions. For me though, the biggest problem with cognitive closure is that it keeps me from enjoying the process. That timeline was nice and all, but there's so much it left out. I became so obsessed with what I should be, where I should go, and what I should accomplish, that I forgot the entire point of setting goals in the first place, a sense of fulfillment and happiness. None of this is to say our need for cognitive closure is bad. Like I said, my mind sometimes feels like a pinball machine with 10 different balls going at once. It's inherently distracting, I have no idea where to focus, and I'm scared that if I don't focus on something, I'll miss out on everything. Cognitive closure makes me feel good because it helps me focus amid all that craziness. That said, there are drawbacks. I'd like to learn how to balance the need for cognitive closure with the beauty of not knowing all the answers. You just listened to the post titled How Cognitive Closure Affects Decision-Making by Kristen Wong of thewildwong.com. And I don't know about you, but I related a lot to this in different ways. Hopefully you found it helpful too. You can find this post at thewildwong.com and I have it linked at oldpodcast.com. And Kristen also writes for some huge publications. You should check her out. And before I go on my merry way, if you'd like to help out this podcast, you can contribute by visiting oldpodcast.com slash support. If you can't contribute financially, that page also has some other ideas that go a long way to help keep the show alive. Again, just visit oldpodcast.com slash support or you can go straight to oldpodcast.com and look for the how to help page. Thank you very much for listening and your support. Without it, this podcast would have ended a long time ago. That's it for today. I hope you're having a great week and I'll catch you in the Thursday show tomorrow where your optimal life awaits. 
Hey, this is Dan from the Optimal Finance Daily Podcast, which is a lot like this show, except more focused on personal finance. Justin handpicks the best posts he can find from blogs and authors like Ramit Sethi, Mr. Money Mustache, and more, and I read them to you five days a week. So if you enjoy this podcast, come on over and subscribe to Optimal Finance Daily too. And together, we'll optimize your financial life. You've been listening to Optimal Living Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your optimal life awaits.